0: This episode is brought to you by Audi Canada. The Canadian Medical Association has partnered with Audi Canada to offer CMA members preferred incentive on select vehicle models. Purchase any new qualifying Audi model and receive an additional cash incentive based on the purchase type. Details of the incentive program can be found at audiprofessional.ca. Explore the full line of vehicles available to suit your lifestyle. The Audi driving experience is like no other.
1: The Global Burden of Disease Study describes patterns and trends of disease and injury over the past three decades, spanning from 1990 to 2016. It allows us to understand which diseases account for the highest burden of mortality and morbidity in countries around the world. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for the Canadian Medical Association Journal, and today I'm speaking with two of the authors of a study which is published in CMAJ, that examines the Canadian data from the Global Burden of Disease Study. Dr. Justin Lang and Dr. Heather Opana are joining me today to describe what they found. I've reached them in Ottawa. Welcome, Dr. Lang and Dr. Opana. Hello. Hello. Great to have you with us. Can you tell our listeners a bit about who you are? Dr. Lang, you go first.
2: I recently graduated with a PhD in population health. I'm now working with the Public Health Agency of Canada as a research analyst uh, with my main area of research being the use of physical fitness as an indicator of population health. Um, More recently, I've been interested in using cardiorespiratory fitness measurement as a way to evaluate the effectiveness of physical activity interventions. Um, In late 2017, uh, I became an official Global Burden of Disease collaborator. Uh, joining over 3,000 collaborators worldwide.
0: Dr. Opana, how about you? So I'm also a research scientist here at the Public Health Agency of Canada, and I work in the Centre for Surveillance and Applied Research. I'm also an adjunct professor in the School of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University of Ottawa. Um, My primary area of research is in mental health, but I also collaborate on studies that characterize the burden of disease through various metrics, including things like disability-adjusted life years. Working with the Global Burden of Disease Study has been a really excellent opportunity to expand the tools that we have to understand the health of Canadians.
1: So what is the Global Burden of Disease Study, and how does the study that you've published in CMAJ fit into the larger global study?
2: So, the Global Burden of Disease Study is a large international project that aims to provide national and international estimates of disease and injuries using the best available data. This study that we've published in CMAJ extends on the Global Burden of Disease Project by providing a systematic analysis of the estimates for Canada from 1990 to 2016. Uh, Specifically, we aimed to identify the leading causes of health loss and how these have changed over time. We also look at how Canada compares to similar high-income countries from North America, Western Europe, and Australasia, with with regards to life expectancy and health-adjusted life expectancy. Um, These Canadian results are a very small sliver of the larger Global Burden of Disease study, the global burden of disease provides annual estimates of health loss for 333 causes for 195 countries. So nearly the whole world.
1: Before we go further, let's just define some terminology for our listeners. One measure of the burden of disease on a population is something called disability adjusted life year, which Dr. Opana mentioned right in the beginning. Dr. Opana, can you explain to us what that is?
0: Yeah, Um, disability-adjusted life years are the number of healthy years lost due to mortality or disability from a certain disease or injury. So in technical terms, it's the sum of years lost due to premature mortality, as well as the sum of years lived with disability. And this is really important because we don't only want people to live longer, we want them to live longer in good health. And in the Global Burden of Disease study, we often use disability-adjusted life years to compare the burden of disease across and within countries. This gives us a common yardstick to compare a diverse set of diseases and injuries, for example, comparing the health loss due to a mental or substance use disorder versus those due to chronic respiratory diseases. If we only look at either mortality or morbidity, we may come to different decisions about which diseases and injuries have the largest health burden among Canadians.
1: So in my understanding, the idea of the DALI was quite revolutionary when it first came into common use because of this ability to compare between different diseases. And it really highlighted back then that that some diseases had a greater burden than than we had thought. Is that not right?
0: Yes, absolutely. So if you can think of a disease or a group of diseases like um, mental and substance use disorders, um, the the level of mortality from those diseases are somewhat lower than, for example, um, cancer. But if we look from a perspective of disability, mental and substance use disorders actually contribute a large number of disability adjusted life years to the Canadian population because of that important component of morbidity or disability. So being able to combine not only mortality but disability into a single statistic was really, really important to get a more comprehensive understanding of of the burden of disease and injury.
1: There's a lot of information about health trends in this study, and we encourage listeners to read the full paper at cmaj.ca to see all the details, but let's talk about some of the highlights. How do morbidity and mortality compare now to 1990 in Canada?
0: In our study, we've identified gains in both life expectancy and health-adjusted life expectancy between 1990 and the present day, and these gains have kept pace with other high-income countries in North America, Europe, and Australasia. For example, in 2016, the global burden of disease estimate for Canada for life expectancy at birth was 82 years, and health-adjusted life expectancy was 71 years. In comparison, Japan, which is a country known for its long life expectancy, Japan was estimated to have a life expectancy of birth at 84 years, but their health-adjusted life expectancy was equivalent to that of Canada, with a value of 71 years. Trends in mortality and morbidity have changed substantially in Canada since 1990. For instance, in 1990, premature mortality accounted for 55% of total disability-adjusted life years. This percentage has declined to just under a half at, at 48% in 2016. And so this suggests that health loss in Canada is now really resulting from a larger proportion of morbidity than premature mortality, and that people are now living longer with diseases and injuries.
1: That's really interesting. And now you've touched on this issue of health-adjusted life expectancy. Why are the health-adjusted life expectancy figures that you're quoting lower than life expectancy? Sure. So when we're
0: looking at life expectancy, we're really summarizing the mortality experience of the population in a given year. When we report on health-adjusted life expectancy, we're adjusting that mortality experience to years lived in full health. So while life expectancy at birth was 82 years, only 71 of those years were lived in full health. So that's a loss of 11 years of health expectancy when we adjust for health-adjusted life expectancy.
1: That's a really useful concept, so we're understanding not only the length of life as being important, but the quality of life as well. What are some of the top diseases or health conditions that affect the health of Canadians today?
2: So in our study, we identified that uh, in 2016, The top four uh, conditions affecting health were um, number one being cancer, followed by cardiovascular diseases, then musculoskeletal uh, disorders, and um, number four was mental and substance use disorders. Um, In 2016 alone, uh, these four conditions accounted for approximately 5 million healthy life years lost to these conditions. So this represented roughly 56% of total disability-adjusted life years. Uh, So to put this into perspective, this is similar to losing the whole country of New Zealand to morbidity and mortality in a single year.
1: So how has this changed over the years from 1990 to 2016?
2: So the main changes that we've seen over the years is that between 1990 and 2006, Uh, Cancers overtook cardiovascular diseases as the leading cause of health loss in Canada. Uh, Cancer continues to be the leading cause of health loss in Canada uh, based on disability-adjusted life years. However, uh, importantly, the age-standardized disability-adjusted life year rate for both these diseases, so cancers and cardiovascular diseases, are on the decline. Um, Of the 21 causes of diseases and injuries that we summarized in the study, musculoskeletal disorders, mental and substance use disorders, and diseases uh, due to nutritional deficiencies are the only conditions with increasing age-standardized rates.
1: Is it surprising at all that we are seeing that cancer remains the greatest burden of of disease in terms of mortality and morbidity? Or is that just reflective of the fact that we have an increasingly aging population?
0: So what we're seeing is that the age-standardized disability-adjusted life-year rates for both cancers and cardiovascular diseases are declining. So that takes into account age. It holds the age um, distribution of the population Constant. The fact that cancer continues to be the leading cause of health loss in Canada is just reflective of its impact on both mortality and morbidity.
1: How has the rate of people living with disability changed over the years? So since 2006, the
0: age-standardized rate of all-cause years lived with disability has stayed actually relatively consistent – whereas the count of years with disability, years lived with disability, has increased by 17% during the same period. And so, as we were just discussing, when we age-standardize rates, this takes into account that there are differences in the age structure of the population over time. For example, in 2006, our population was younger than it is today. In contrast, when we look at all age counts, that tells us what's going on in a population at a given point in time without trying to take out the effect of age, without trying to control for the fact that over time, populations age and change. And all age counts or all age rates are really, really important to helping us understand what the absolute level of a health burden is in a population at a given point in time. So to summarize that again, um, the age standardized rate of years lived with disability is remaining relatively constant, but all age counts are increasing because of our aging population. When we look at morbidity only through years lived with disability, we actually find that musculoskeletal disorders and mental and substance use disorders are the leading causes of years lived with disability. And so this is a little bit in contrast to disability adjusted life years, where we see that cancer and cardiovascular disease um, lead, lead in that measure.
1: So if you're looking at these adjusting versus absolute rates, I guess that they have different uses. If you're looking at these absolute figures for disability will be useful to Canada for policy making in Canada. But the age-adjusted figures are then useful for comparing with other countries. Is that right? Yeah, they're
0: definitely useful for comparing between countries. They're also useful for comparing trends over time. Um, But we need all of that information put together to really understand for decision making, because you need the absolute values to know how many people in your population are sick or may die, but you also need to understand how things have been changing, and you need to know which part of that change is due to population aging, and which part of that change is actually due to increases or decreases in the prevalence or incidence of a disease or the associated disability. So we really need all of those put together to inform decision making.
1: Which is why this is such a huge body of work. What are some other interesting findings that are worth highlighting from this study?
2: So one other interesting finding is uh, that we identified all age mortality is increasing, but age standardized mortality is declining across most causes. Uh, So we believe that This generally reflects an aging population combined with improving population health. This is definitely a promising finding that tells us that people in Canada are becoming healthier.
1: How do the trends in Canada compare to other countries?
0: Sure. So in our paper, we really looked at life expectancy and health-adjusted life expectancy for Canada and other similar countries. Um, And so when we looked at this for 2006 and 2016, um, we found that Canada was really similar to that cohort. So the range of life expectancy for high-income countries in North America, Western Europe, and Australasia ranged from 78 years to 83 years in 2006. And Canada's life expectancy then was 81 years. By 2016, this range had increased to 79 to 84 years, and Canada's life expectancy at birth continued to be right in the middle at 82 years. Um, We saw similar results for health-adjusted life expectancy, which, as we've discussed, takes into account how healthy people are during the years that they live. So Canada's health-adjusted life expectancy was 70 in 2006 and increased to 71 in 2016. Um, In Canada, we're also seeing that shift from premature mortality to greater years lived with disability, and this has been seen both in the United States and in other high-income countries similar to Canada. Um, If you're interested in learning more about how Canada compares to other countries, um, the 2017 capstone papers will be published in the Lancet. Um, These include papers on the global patterns of mortality, causes of death, disease prevalence and risk factors among others. And there you can see the results for all of the countries that are estimated in the Global Burden of Disease study.
1: What's the ultimate goal of a a study like this one, both globally and for each country?
2: The strength of the Global Burden of Disease approach is that it allows us to understand how patterns of health evolve over time and to understand how countries compare to each other using comparable metrics such as disability-adjusted life years. While the Global Burden of Disease Study is useful in higher-income countries like Canada or the United States, the Global Burden of Disease Study is even more powerful to understand disease burden in countries with less well-developed surveillance systems. Countries can use these data to answer very specific or broad health questions, which makes this type of study very powerful.
1: So which are the key messages from this study that the Public Health Agency of Canada would like Canadians and uh, policymakers to know?
0: Sure. So I think first and overall, this study shows that Canada is doing well with a relatively high level of overall health and with life expectancy and health-adjusted life expectancy that is on par with other similar countries. Um, Second... Cancer, cardiovascular disease, musculoskeletal disorders, and mental and substance use disorders were the leading causes of disability-adjusted life years in 2016, accounting for more than half of the disability-adjusted life years um, in 2016. And and that's really important. Those, Those four disease categories really drive a lot of the mortality and morbidity in Canada. And finally, um, as our population ages, we're seeing the burden of health loss shift from mortality to morbidity. As the population continues to age, it will be important to monitor not only mortality and the prevalence and incidence of diseases and injury, but also the impact of these diseases and injuries on the health experience of the population. Um, Understanding patterns of health loss and how different causes compare to each other can inform decision-making in both the public health and the healthcare arenas.
2: Um, We just have one more thing to add. Um, The Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington are the ones that make these types of studies possible. So I would like to acknowledge their hard work and dedication. Uh, For anyone who is interested in the Global Burden of Disease study, Their website is www.healthdata.org. Through this website, users have access to very neat data visualization tools to help illustrate the vast amount of data that are available through this study. It really helps bring these data to life.
1: So thank you for joining us today.
0: We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this really important study. And we also want to acknowledge the contribution of our co-authors.
1: I've been speaking with Heather Orpana, a research scientist at the Public Health Agency of Canada and an adjunct professor with the School of Epidemiology and Public Health at the University of Ottawa. I've also been speaking with Justin Lang, a research analyst with the Public Health Agency of Canada. To read the research article they co-authored, visit cmha.ca. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we encourage you to subscribe to CMAJ Podcasts on Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. While you're there, you can browse and listen to our many past episodes and you can leave us a rating. I'm Dr. Kirsten Patrick, Deputy Editor for CMAJ. Thank you for listening.